How are you guys doing today? Really wonderful, man. So am I, uh, you know, so am I. I just want to just thank you guys for being here. I, I thank you for your commitment. Uh, you know, this thing that you see here is not happening in America anymore. Men do not give up a, a, a Saturday just, just to get more of God. And so I really appreciate you. I commend you for doing it. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he minister to you. And may he accommodate what you desire this evening and this morning. On the way over here, I, I flew from Ontario, California. And in my plane, not my plane, it belongs to Southwest. <laughs> but in the plane that I was on, uh, there's a lot of Steeler fans. Uh, you know, yeah, but if you're from over there, yeah. But if you're from L.A., what's up with that, you know? <laughs> and so they got in, and, and but, but they're, 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 already, they're already drunk. You're talking, our, my flight was a 715. These crackheads were already loaded. <laughs> and they were just yelling, you know, go, yeah, Pittsburgh! I don't think they're going to see the game. They're going to be tore up by the time they get there. <laughs> And I thought to myself, you know, either three things. Either I'm getting old, or I'm a square, or I'm a Christian. Because I don't care who plays. It doesn't mean anything to me. I won't get any richer if they win or lose. You know what I mean? It's like watching Oscar La Hoya fight. We get excited. He gets around $25 million and we just spend around $50 for, for the table. <laughs> what table for the cable. And so it means nothing to me. Uh, for me, as I'm getting older, I appreciate my Christianity. Honestly, because uh, what do you got to look forward to? You're growing, and, and, and you know, I learned a new English word, man. I, I love English words. You think you speak English, oh, when you go to England, they'll laugh at you. We speak English, but American English is very different, you know that. Like, they don't know the word, what's happening. Hey, what's happening? Hello? <laughs> what's happening, man? I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> the word is meandering. Meandering. How many don't know what meandering means? Right on, right on. How many don't know, but you're embarrassed to raise your hand? <laughs> yeah. Meandering is basically doing nothing aiming at nothing, just basically kicking it. How you doing, Holmes? Just doing it. Kicking it. You know. What is that supposed to mean? You know. That's it, Holmes. That's, that's, that's a lifeless life. You gotta count for something, man. You gotta leave a legacy. You gotta leave something behind. If you have children, you have to live for something. You have to have passion for something, man. You have to. Joshua was a man that we know from the Bible. He was a commander in chief, he was a leader, he was a warrior's warrior, he was a fighter. But when it came to leadership, the Bible says that he freaked out, man. Freaked out. I don't know about your culture, but in my culture, and I don't, I'm not speaking about Hispanic culture, 
I'm, I'm just saying in my culture, in my community, from yay high, we learn not to rank out. Don't, don't rank out. You know what that means? Don't rank out. In other words, we're going to go down, we're going to go down. And, and, and we have that. And in L.A., it happens a lot. We call it mad dogging. We don't know each other. We, I don't do that no more. See, I'd rather just look away. Let them think that I'm kind of gay guy or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> because I have a family, man. I love my family. And just for the sake of, of, of just, you know, you know, you know how they, what they do. They look up. They look at you. you what up? What up? What up? Boom. See, and, 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 and that's the culture that I was raised in. And you better not rank out, but then everybody will know. Pancho ranked out. No. Hey, ranker! <laughs> and so you don't rank out. And so you train and you're conditioned in that kind of mentality. And then when you get older, you realize that you're doing the same thing to your wife, to the world, to your business, to your own personal life. You never grow. And there's going to come a time where, where you're going to be afraid of life. For me, my first fear is when I turn 21. At the age of 21 years old, man, I've been around the world. I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17 and a half. I, I joined the Marine Corps. I got out when I was 20 years old. A Vietnam veteran, not combat, but a Vietnam veteran. At 20 years old. Like some Iraqi veterans, perhaps they're here. Welcome home, guys, from Iraq, if you're here. Welcome home. Welcome home. But I came out at 20 years old. I couldn't even get into a, I couldn't even buy a beer because I was 20 years old. And yet I was using all kinds of drugs before. And yet I couldn't come to my neighborhood and buy a can of course. I turned 21. I said, okay, I'm going to school in the GI Bill. And then I started going to school. I got badminton, basketball. Uh, clay creations, uh, <laughs> just to get the GI Bill, man. And then I realized, where am I going? What's my life all about? I, I have a girlfriend, I have a couple of girlfriends, and, and that's the truth. You know, uh, I'm not that good looking, but you know what I mean? <laughs> If you got the rap, you got the rap. <laughs> and so, but then I realized, okay, what's it all about, Alfie? What's, what's it all about? Where am I going? I don't have education. I don't have a skill. I, I know how to shoot with a rifle, M16, machine gun. I know how to, but they don't use that here in civilian life. What can I do? And there's a time in my life when I, I begin to falter. That's another English word, to falter. Uh, the word falter means vacillating. Ooh. <laughs> What's vacillating? Well, if, you're, if you know Spanish, you ever heard the word vacilando? Right? Well, that's where the rest word comes from. No estés vacilando. Don't be playing around. Vacillating is basically, you see in a sprinkler, it goes like this. Right? Well, sometimes we falter as men. We vacillate. We say, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all the way. I don't, shh, Charlie. 
oh, this man's conference pumped me up. Oh, Lord, I'm going to get it together. <laughs> man, I'm going to say no to crack. No way, no way, no way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're always vacillating, meandering, faltering. Why? Because basically, we as men, we are supposed to have fear. You see, when you hit a crisis, an inconvenience, a hardship, you're going to do three things. You're either going to flight, or you're going to fright, or you're going to fight. Three things. But if you don't know when to fright and when to flight and when to fight, that's what gets us in trouble. Sometimes you have to flight. When guys looked at me, because I'm a bald-headed guy, man. Not by choice. God's love for me. So by having a, a skinhead in my community, it, it, it already radiates and telegraphs to someone that I'm kind of like a, a fighter. And so that generates a little bit of friction. So I have to create a sense of comfort. Even when I sat down today in the middle seat, because you know, I got my ticket late. So I'm in the middle seat with two ladies. And I sit down and they grab their purse. And they hold on to Hey, I'm used to it, man. I'm used to it. I walk into a fancy department store, and I can hear the engine, the little motor from the video camera. Finally, I look at the camera. I go, hey, man, I not to look, man. I got money, man. Shh. Leave me alone. So I'm used to it. Thank God. Now... There comes a time in our life where we're going to be afraid. Joshua, you know he's a man of God. That guy was a fighter, man. But yet, ultimately, he knew. Because, see, Moses was told by God, Moses, you're not going to go to the promised land. Can you imagine Moses? I mean, I've, been, I've been running around with these people for 40 years. I've been putting up with him, and I'm not able to go across. God says, no. Why? Well, the Bible says that he misinterpreted God. A great responsibility. You see, the Bible says that God told Moses, I want you to speak to the rock, and then water will come forth. So Moses was exasperated with the people. And he, he, when he got his staff, he goes, you want water? I got your water. Pow, pow. And water came out. And people got freaked out. Oh, wonderful. It's a miracle. Water coming from the rock. And God says, hey, Moses. Did I tell you to hit the rock? Uh, no, sir. For your disobedience, you're not going to enter the promised land. But don't freak out, man. God's grace. He, he, he did go in the promised land. How do I know? Matthew chapter 16. The model transfiguration. Boom! We see Jesus with Elijah and who else? Moses. So he made it, okay? So don't freak out. He made it. <laughs> but in God's method, in God's timing. Now, God tells Moses, I want you to anoint Joshua in front of the people. 
I want you to give it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 3 that I want you to anoint this young man next to you. And I want you to give him a portion of your authority. And make sure you take him in front of the congregation so that the congregation can recognize him. Because there's going to come a time when Joshua is going to take over. So Joshua was fully cognizant that one day he was going to take over the charge of being the big kahuna, the big shebang. That time comes. Moses dies. But right before he dies, according to, to um, Deuteronomy, at the end of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, it says that before he died, that the Lord tells Moses, he says, anoint this man, Joshua. So Joshua did not get, get by surprise. He wasn't caught by surprise. He knew that the moment Moses would die, that he would be the man in charge. You would think, okay, I'm in charge now. I'm calling the shots. But homeboy got paralyzed with fear. How do we know that? We'll read in a moment. Around five to six or seven times, God had to tell Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Faint not, for I am with you. Just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You would think that that will settle Joshua. But Joshua was very much afraid. It, it's not, it doesn't say that he was afraid, but the implication is very graphic. If God tells Joshua, don't be afraid, it implies that Joshua is feeling frightful. What was he afraid of? The responsibility? That he's going to be now responsible. He's going to be the mediator between, between God and the people. Yes, like you. You're a mediator. The Bible says that we are priests in our homes. Guys, if you're allowing your wife as Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. You see, being a Christian is you become responsible. And when you become a Christian man, the responsibility falls on you. You're the king. You're the priest of your home. And if your wife is calling all the spiritual shots, that shouldn't be. That's abnormality. There's only one head in the home. That's you if you're married legally. Because if you're not, you're shacking up. Oh, forgive me. Cohabitating. <laughs> See, you cannot have two heads in a home. That's a monstrosity. Two heads? That's a monstrosity. You have one home, one head, and that is you, gentlemen. But there's responsibility on you. You have to take leadership. And sometimes if you have children and, and you're, you're, you don't have a job, you don't have a decent job, you don't have enough money coming in, there's times when we become exasperated, man, because our pride, the good pride, you know there's good pride and bad pride, you understand that? I, I stay away from the word pride because it doesn't really display. See, I'm proud of the success of my kids. I'm proud of my son's, uh, he's an A student, he's an athlete, I'm proud of him. So when I refer to someone proud in the Bible, I always, uh, I, I use the word lofty, haughty, cocky, arrogant. That's what I use instead of proud, because you can be proud of something wonderful. So I don't want to confuse those two, two words. But the good pride, 
We have it in us to be providers for our children, don't we? When I first had my twin girls, 1980, April 6, in April 6, I mean, April 7, being on Monday, they were born on Easter Sunday. On Monday, I went to work. I remember that day vividly. There was a purpose for me for going to work. I was whistling. I was going to work because I had a purpose. I was working so I can feed my kids. I wasn't working just to work for the man. You know what I mean? I wasn't working just because everybody does it. I was working because now I had a reason to go to work. I had children. And that was a motivation for me. But sometimes things happen in life. And there are situations where, where we become afraid. Our light goes out. Our inner strength evaporates. The will to fight. They throw in the towel for you. You give up. You capitulate. You don't want to run anymore. You're, you're tired of the Christian life. Because life hasn't been fair to you. Listen, anytime you talk like that, always go back to Good Friday. What was fair about Good Friday? What was fair about Good Friday? Always look at Jesus Christ as our example of suffering. And know this. Just as Joshua was told, I am with you. See, that was the key. Every prophet, every man of God, every woman of God who is recorded in the Bible in any type of leadership, in any kind of authority, the Bible says that God was with him. Nehemiah, who is he? He's an exiler, born in exile. He comes back to Jerusalem. Yeah, I'm here to build the walls. Who are you? He says, the good hand of God is upon me. The hand of God is upon me. And he kept emphasizing the hand of God is upon me because he calls me, he called me. And the key to everyone, including Joshua, Joshua had to be reminded over and over and over and over again. Joshua, don't freak out. Joshua, don't faint. Joshua, be strong. But I'm shaking, Lord, I'm afraid. Joshua, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never rank out on you. I will never abandon you. Joshua, every step you take, I already went ahead of you. Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Just as Moses opened the Red Sea, you know, you're going to open the Jordan River. It's not as big as the Red Sea, but you're going to freak people out too. Just... I want the people to know that I'm with you. And after seeing that miracle, as soon as the Levites with the ark stepped on the, on the Jordan River, the Jordan River, man, the Bible says it just opened up a mini version of the Red Sea. And people freaked out. They go, whoa, the power of God is upon, upon Joshua. And they told Joshua, the people and the leader says, we know that God is with you. He says, but we're going to watch you. Just be strong. And yes, be brave. That's what they told him. You can find out in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 2. And so, Jesus told us, to all of us in Matthew 5, 16. He said, 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That means there's a light in you. We're not talking about a, a, a little butane lighter. We're not talking about a candle. We're talking about a radiance, a fragrance that exudes out of your behavior. Yes, I may look like a, like a, like a gangster. I may look like a crackhead. But my demeanor, my disposition, my kindness, my gentleness, my goodness, my love, my self-control conveys that I'm neither one of those people you think of me. And the way I speak and the way I carry myself and the way I conduct myself. Yesterday when I checked in the hotel in Ontario, there's a little, there's a little cha-cha girl in behind the counter. Pretty little sexy thing. Now, I'm a man. I'll be honest with you. I was checking in and I checked her out too. <laughs> Poncho, you're a pastor. Sue me. <laughs> I ain't blind. I ain't blind. So I looked at her and that, that was just one look. And that's it. But she's one of the cha-cha girls that they walk and they turn around to catch you, see if you're looking at them. You know what I'm talking about? If you know what I'm talking about, man, watch for those cha-cha girls. Because they, they trap you. They walk and then they catch you. And, and then you try to look and you're busted. So I wasn't looking at her. I wasn't, I was just signing my name in and just thinking bad thoughts. That was it. And she goes, uh, uh, how old do you think I am? I don't know, 25, 26. Uh, I, I'm only 19. <laughs> I said, well, maybe it's because of your sophistication. Hi, <laughs> that's cold shot. <laughs> Why? Well, nobody ever called me that. I said, do you know what sophistication means? No, but it doesn't sound good. I said, no, no, no. I said, no. I said, sophistication means that you, you carry yourself in a conduct more mature. And, so, and then she says, what do you do for a living? Now, where did that come from? <laughs> We're talking about a, a conversation. All of a sudden, what do you do for a living? I asked her, what did you, why did you ask me that? I don't know. You're, 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 you're different. Different. I'm just like anybody. I, I confess to you. I looked at her. But the way I carry myself, the self-control, she said, you're different. Why? I'm just like you. But when you put on your disposition of kindness and gentleness and goodness, no matter who it is, male or black, male or black, female, white, whether you're yellow, whether you're red, whether you're Democrat, Republican, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you're a crackhead, whether you're educated, the Bible says that we are to be gentle and respectable to all people. That's the mark of a Christian. Jesus said, put on your light. Amen. Put on your light. Put on your light. Someone said this, quote, the true Christian is the center of light as he walks in the light and reflects his brightness. The possession of that light makes him conspicuous like a city set on a hill. 
Their conduct is watched, narrowly scrutinized. Their character, in some sense, is public property. The Christian desire is to draw others by the brightness of his example to the true light which gives him light, unquote. You're the moon, especially here in New Mexico. The moon, oh, you can see the moon. In L.A., we can't see the moon. In L.A., we can't see nothing. It's just nothing. <laughs> but here we can see the moon. Do you know that the moon has no source of light? The moon only reflects what? The sun. And it bright. And that's how we are. We should be satellites for Jesus Christ. We're so close to Jesus that we become radiant through, through his glory, through his brightness, and we're only reflecting that light. We are the only open book that the non-Christian will ever read from the Bible. Someone said, there are five Gospels. No, they're not. There's four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, yeah, but there's also one more. The Gospel of Pancho. The Gospel of Henry. The Gospel of Joseph. The Gospel of Richard. Wherever. You see, some of your family members may never read the Bible, but they're watching you. They're watching you big time. He what? He stopped drinking? Yeah. No way. That dude's a fish. He stopped drinking. <laughs> You're kidding. And he, you know what? And he has a Bible. No. I, he, went over the, he went over the hill, right? No, that guy snapped. I don't know, but, but he shaves and he dental floss his teeth now? <laughs> he smells good and, he, he, and he's singing too. Dude, that's happening. What happened to him? I don't know, man. But you know where that Walmart used to be at? Yeah. Homeboy's going there. Let's, let's check it out, man, because I think they're messing with him. And they come in, and they get messed up too, and they go back home. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus all the way. So, verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, this is very important. While Moses was alive... God never spoke to Joshua. He always spoke to who? Moses. So for 40 years, you know, Joshua said, okay, Moses, what did God say to you? Okay, he told me, okay, I'll go. Now Moses is gone. And Joshua for the first time, Joshua, I, Joshua, for the first time, in 40 years, I've never heard God. It's always been God and Moses, and now he has a responsibility. He hears the voice of God. And he says in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, the Jordan River, you and all these people to the land which, number one, I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Underline that. Underline that. Man, God will never rank out on you. Whether you're busted, can be trusted, 
whether you're committed an offense against yourself and you're paying the price, God will never depart from you. The Bible says that, that we become faithless, but he will always be faithful because he cannot deny himself. He said he's going to be with you, and he'll never take that word back. We find as Matthew closes his gospel in Matthew 28, in verse 20, he says, Lo, or behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the what? The age of the world. That's the promise that we have. Sometimes when we falter, Proverbs 24, 10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Again, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. In 1 Corinthians 6, 16, 13, in one of the versions, it says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. Now, Joshua here is facing adversity. He's thinking, perhaps in his human capabilities, how am I going to do this? What kind of, what kind of uh, uh, supplies do I have to accomplish it? See, he thought he had to do everything. God just said, I'm with you. Every, every, every step you take, I've already gone before you. Everything's done, Joshua. The fight belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you. I'll fight for you. No one. He says, throughout your whole life, no man is going to mess with you. And we find him in Joshua 24. The Bible says he was about to die, but he said he was still strong. And he says, okay, make up your mind. He threw a line in the sand. He says, if you want to follow the gods of here and you want to follow all the madness, you choose this day. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, you finish it. Exactly. You make a decision. You, you, I hope you don't expect that, that tonight or this afternoon, somehow instantaneously, you're going to be healed or your, or your, your desire, your prayerful wish is going to come to pass like that. I'm not limiting God. He may do that. But you see, God always brings us to, to the place where we're going to conquer. But after we learn the lesson, after we go to the school of affliction, after, after you go to the school of affliction, you get your degree in desertology. There's no such degree, but desertology. Why? Because in the desert, Paul went to the desert. John the Baptist, Elijah, they were in the desert. Elijah and Elijah, they were all desert people. And somehow in the desert, you know, in the, in the desert, somehow God speaks. We call it going to the school of hard knocks. I don't want to do it, God. And then you, you said, don't tell me what to do. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where you said, man, here I am now. I can't do anything but look up. It's a day of adversity. And the first thing he said, I'm with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He says in verse 6, be strong and be of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Not only courageous and good courage, but now the emphasis is be very courageous. Courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night that you may observe it to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Rhetorical question. It doesn't need to be answered. He says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. I'm in charge of your life. I'm your Lord of your life. Isn't that what you did when you accepted Christ? Lord, I give you my life. Jesus, come into my heart. And he did. And then he became the governor of your will. And later on, not only he's savior of your soul and the governor of your will, but then at one point he becomes your Lord. What does that mean? He's master. We are servants. Wait, were you sending me? East L.A.? Lord, I've been trying to get over East L.A. What? Go back to East L.A.? Lord, you, you know my wife and I, we want to get out because we're both from East L.A. We want to get out. We want to leave East L.A. Go someplace like Belen, New Mexico, or Albuquerque. Or we can get good property. You know what I mean? Go back to East L.A.? said, no way. And I, it, was, it was impressed upon me. I've got to go back to East L.A. I handle church. Start a Bible study. But I said, mm -mm, I'm going to tell my wife. And once my wife says no, <laughs> I'm off the hook. <laughs> so when I told Millie, I told Millie, and Ray knows Millie. And, and I told Millie, look at, man, the Lord's spirit in my heart that we ought to go to East L.A. And, and start a Bible study. Praise the Lord. Why? Because I've been praying about it. And, and, and I saw a cloud. And I, as I was doing my, 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 my devotion, I saw a cloud. We were living in La Puente, California. And, and the cloud kept going westward, which is going through East L.A. Because we're in La, in La Puente. And, the Lord, and I asked the Lord, what is this about Genesis 6 and the clouds? And, and, and I saw this cloud. And, and the Lord told me that just follow that cloud. And wherever it goes, that's to where you're going to go. And, and Pancho was going westward, which, were, which is, you know, west going to L.A. And she said, East L.A. is where we're going to go. And that's when I said, oh, Lord, now you're using my wife now. <laughs> that, that's it, man. Ray knows. We went. Who am I? I'm just a knucklehead. Pervert, deviant, fracture, perforator of heart, mind, a drunker. Uh, who am I? Are people going to listen to me? I went, started a Bible study. That was 15, 16 years ago. I, I'm just telling you this without, because I need to be very careful. But it only to bring glory to God in the context of, of what God is doing with Joshua. He can do it with you in your own community, in your family. He can do it. You say, I ain't got no education. Neither did Joshua. Well, what about, but I do have education. Well, fine. Paul the Apostle was a brilliant scholar. He can use you. What about me, man? I like going to school, but I never went to school. The same thing. <laughs> you want to be. God can use all of us. So I started going to the Bible study. I committed myself for one year of Bible study. Five people, six people, four people. Our worship consisted of one guy playing the flute. He thought it was Jethro Tull. 
Hey, but it was worship. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy. And I'm thinking, this is sick, man. And yet, God honor it. Where now, we are the largest church in all of East Los Angeles. The largest. Why? Why? I was afraid. And then, through those 15 years, Ray, Pastor Ray can vouch this for you. Pastor Lance Cook can vouch that for you. Pastor uh, uh, Don can vouch that for you. We went through the wilderness, man. My wife got brain cancer. Dude, it was a time where I began not only to have adversity, but man, I, you know, when it says here, do not be dismay. And notice in verse 9, do not be dismay. Now, what does that mean, dismay? Now, check this out. Not to offend any of you that don't speak Spanish. Forgive me. I'm not, that's not my intent. But you see, English consists of a lot of French words, German words, Greek words, and Latin words. The English language. So speaking Spanish, is a, it derives from Latin. So the word dismay, if you say in Spanish fainting, how would you say it? What is it? Desmayar. Dismay. That's basically the same thing. Now, what is this, 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 uh, this fainting? What happens when people faint? Well, it's, it's called, medically speaking, syncopation. Syncopation means a partial or complete temporary suspension of respiration and circulation due to cerebral ischemia or blackout, unconscious, or collapse. That's when you get afraid. That's how your body works. You go into shock and you go. That's what happens. That's when people, especially people, they, they can't handle needles. Grown men, they hate needles. And before the needle comes, they just faint. See, that's the body's way to shut it down from trauma. And yet God says to Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't dismay. I'm with you. The tendency for you and I is to respond with fright, fight, or flight. Someone said, if we fail and succumb to anxiety or danger instead of rising to meet the emergency, then you are but a weakling or a coward in the strength which you seem to possess and of which you boasted about. Perhaps it's nothing worth. But what kind of strength? Is he speaking muscular strength? Of course not. He's speaking moral strength. What is, what is moral? Ethical, noble, upright. That's what you have inside of you. And what is strength? It's not basically muscle, spa, uh, muscle mass. It's basically, it means energy, power, health, soundness. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Is it your might? Is it your power? Yes or no? No. Whose power is it? God's. Where do we get it? From him. We get it from him. How do we achieve that? How do we get this power? Submit to him in compliance, humility, seeking him, abiding in him, walking with him, talking with him, reading of him, and living off of him. So then when you walk the streets, you don't have to carry a Bible. 
You can just walk, and people will know there's something different about you. There's something different about you. You smell weird. You speak differently. What is it? It is the love, the strength, the joy, and the peace of God. Don't vacillate in life. Don't do that. Stand firm. If you need to fly, right. Some hot chick comes and goes, hello, baby. And you know you're ugly. You know that. And you know this incomprehensible flight. And someone mad dogs you, hey, man, what's up, man? Flight. And sometimes when you have to be afraid and say, no, I don't do that, man. And sometimes you just have to fight. I'm not talking about physical fight. I'm talking about fight head on. Let's go with it. Let's go, like Chaka Khan said, through the fire. Let's go through the fire. But Isaiah says, when you go to the fire, you will not get burned. When you go to the waters, you will not get drowned. Why? For I am with you, says the Lord. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, as I close, if you're here today, I don't know. I didn't ask. You know, I don't ask. It was happening. Look, it. I don't know. But perhaps there's some of you here this morning who have never accepted Christ. Someone, someone that loves you invited you. You're, pro- you're probably upset. Man, nothing but religious freaks here, man. That's, but nevertheless, you're here. You have an opportunity right now. This is the greatest decision you will ever make. People say the best decision, the most important decision is who you're going to get married and buying a home. Okay, yeah. But I think the best decision is where you're going to end up when you die. Where's your destiny? We take nothing with us. There's two destinies. Where are you going? Have you ever thought of your eternal life? Listen, this is the best decision. What are you going to do with your life? Are you meandering? Just go kicking it, doing it, hanging, bro. Or do you want to know the way, the truth, and the life? If you want to receive Jesus, it's going to cost you. What does it cost? Well, basically, a little bit of embarrassment. Because I'm going to ask you to stand up, and that's going to cost you embarrassment. But that's all the suffering you ever go through, not like Jesus Christ. If you want to receive Jesus, whoever you are, and you want me to pray for you right now, would you please stand, whoever you are? Quickly. God bless you, sir. Remain standing. God bless you. Remain standing, man. God bless you, man. God bless you, sir. Anybody, I bless you, sir. God bless you, brother. Love you. It takes a real man. It takes a real man to say, I need God. I need God. It takes a man. I respect you. It takes a man. Many men today say, you know, you got to have, are we videotaping this? (laughs) Are we? You got to have large hands. But that's not what it's all about, man. The Bible says that God loves a broken and contrite heart. God can work with broken heart. God never works with people that are proudful. So if you're proudful right now, I ask you, please stand and receive Jesus. Don't leave this place angry, mad dogging. God loves you. I come all the way from Los Angeles to tell you that God loves you. And God wants to heal your marriage, your life. God wants you to kick drugs off, to kick off your pride that's been killing you, destroying your marriage and friendship because you don't know how to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, it's my fault. You don't have anything in here. God bless you. Anyone else, quickly. Anyone else. 
God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you, sir. Anyone else? There's more of you. Just stand, whoever you are. Anybody else? For those of you that are standing, welcome to the family of God. Would you simply repeat this prayer after me and afterwards? There's some counselors, I believe, and they'll give you a free Bible. They better give you a free Bible. And, uh, and, but just repeat the simple prayer after me, would you please? Dear Jesus, I am sorry. Forgive me of all my sin. I'm a sinner, and I repent. Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me a new man with a new heart, with a new mind, and a clean conscience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. God bless you. God bless you.